The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Journalist and author Lynn Scher, whom I've known for many years and all of you have too. She, Lynn had a, and is still having a fabulous television career. She writes intriguing travel pieces. She swims in the weirdest places you've ever heard of. <laughs> And it could be 20 below zero, and there's nothing like seeing Lynn pop in wherever it is. And then I found a piece that Lynn had written, and it was about Lynn taking her granddaughter, not a little girl, a 24-year-old, who had just graduated from a nursing school and needed a break. Now, a lot of grandmas might say, I'll take you to Florida. We'll go to Arizona. Not this grandma. She says, okay, you want to go to Africa? I mean, who does that? But Lynn's granddaughter and Lynn, and of course, what a fabulous opportunity. And as Lynn points out, at age 80, it's a return to a magical place that she had written about, held us all by the hands on film and in print to share her passion. And she went to Africa exactly 50 years ago. So I was trying to remember what brought you to Africa all those years ago. Oh, hi, Joan, and thank you. Um, Well, um, I originally went back when, uh, you'll remember this, when I was a reporter for Channel 2, WCBS-TV here in New York. And my cousin, who is um, uh, an OBGYN, was doing um, some work out in the bush with um, uh, Kenyans. And he's a, he was uh, dealing with maternal health issues and reproductive issues in Kenya. And he said, why don't you come to visit? So I did. And that was exactly 50 years ago. And I had a wonderful time and was out uh, meeting people and, and, and learning about them. And then I went on safari. And then, as you know, I lost my heart um, to giraffes and other fabulous animals and have been back many, many times and written and talked about it and done films and done articles. And this time around, Sammy, my granddaughter, said she wanted to go and she wanted to go with me. So, Joan, how do you say no to your granddaughter? Of course you can't say no. And it's such a fabulous trip. And for those of us who have followed your passion over the years, Lynn cost us a fortune. Try to find a giraffe that you could afford. You know, they're big. So it isn't like you're buying a little stone thing. Anyway. They are. are. And I'll tell you, I'm just delighted. Um, This piece, which, as you mentioned, is is online now in the New York Times website and is is now in print in the Sunday edition of the Times. And um, I was so pleased that the Times wanted to do it. And they're, of course, their focus um, this week is on family travel. So this fits perfectly Perfect. into that whole concept of, of uh, traveling with someone in your family. And multi-generational trips, as you point out, whether it's a great big, you know, let's celebrate grandpa and all get together, or maybe just an immediate family, it's becoming a big deal. And people it are is. really and doing I this. Learned, and Joan, I have to tell you, I learned two words, which you may already know, uh, in the course of uh, researching the, the background on the piece, of course, I, I wrote it based on what we did in our fabulous trip. 
But it turns out that when a grandparent takes a grandchild on a trip, it's called a skip-gen trip because you're skipping that that middle generation. of. So the parents can go off and do what they want to do, and you get to be with the grandchild all by yourself, which is extraordinary. And the other word to describe it, ready for this? Gramping. Oh, I never heard that. That's great. (laughs) And, And also I learned from you that there are companies who will help, you know, for these kind of grand trips, grand grandparent trips. You mentioned something I had never heard of, Road Scholar. Yeah, Road Scholar uh, specializes in educational um, trips, and they're seeing a huge um, uptick in people signing up for um, skip gen, grand grand trips versus whole family trips. So, um, you know, grandparents, we're the ones with more time and bigger bank accounts, and our grandkids are the ones with big eyes, and they're eager to travel. So it's kind of a perfect combination, right? Of course, and you worked out the trip yourself, but you had an advantage because you had over the years with your love of Africa made many friends. I did, and and I purposely planned the trip in a way so that Sammy, my granddaughter, could sort of ease into it. We stayed, uh, we visited with friends, two sets of friends I have, one uh, in Naivasha, which is just north of Nairobi, and one set of friends uh, very dear friends um, who lived in Karen, which is the suburb of Nairobi, and that's Rick and Bryony Anderson, and they're the ones that that used to run um, Giraffe Manor, that wonderful hotel that yeah. you've heard me talk about a million times. And they've since sold the business, but they're now focusing on what's called the Giraffe Center, where you can go and meet the giraffes and feed them and get your picture taken, take a selfie with a giraffe. Uh, it's quite an extraordinary and a wonderful to nonprofit that is saving giraffes and teaching the children uh, about the wildlife also, which is which is great. So we did that. And then we went on safari for six days and we used a wonderful safari outfitter called Big Wild Safaris. They did a great job for us, went to three different parks. Um, it was it was a magical, magical trip. And I got to show Sammy my little corner of that giant continent and what I love about the animals and the people. And, and it, it, it's kind of, um, uh, it was very special because I watched her love what I love and I watched her expand on it. Um, Joan, as you know, my granddaughter is uh, about, she's now she's passed her nursing exam. She's uh, waiting for her first job and ultimately she might want to be a midwife she wants to go back there and help with maternal health issues and reproductive How issues. So, so it's kind of come full circle. Isn't that wonderful? Right. It's wonderful. And you opened a world to her that she would not have had otherwise. Well, you it's know. true. And she, it's interesting, as you know, um, uh, endlessly. Uh, I do love giraffes. I'm kind of crazy for giraffes. She found her giraffe. She fell in love with elephants. And every time we saw an elephant, particularly baby elephants, uh, she her her eyes uh, were huge. Her heart melted. She loved them from tail to trunk. Everything they did was just perfect. She also fell in love with warthogs. So you remember in That's Lion a, King, of course, Pumbaa, the book of the warthog, <laughs> and every. Every kid in America loves Pumba. Well, Sammy loves Pumba, and now she loves warthogs. Every time we saw warthogs, those adorable little animals, she would scream, piggies, 
and and oh. sort of snort with her. I, it was the most adorable thing you've ever seen. And did you stay with friends or in hotels or cottages or how was that? Uh, a combination, um, partly with friends and partly um, in lodges at the at the um, at the parks. Um, for example, in uh, at a place called Lewa, uh, it used to be Lewa Downs. Now it's the Lewa uh, Conservancy. We stayed at a, pla- a lodge called Siracor Lodge, which is just drop dead spectacularly fabulous. Not um, uh, you feel as if you're part of the landscape when you're there. Um, in um, at Ambaselli, we stayed, stayed at a relatively new lodge called Tawi T A W I, which was beautiful. And at um, the place we stayed at the Masai Mara is Little Governor's Camp, which is a very traditional, well-known um, camp for travelers. And all of them were, in some cases, luxurious, in some cases, not so luxurious. But they're basically tents uh, built on solid floors and, and they're windows, but you zip up at night. And the really important thing, Joan, my advice Anybody going to Africa, listen to the guides, zip up your tent, because otherwise the monkeys will get in and trash everything you have. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But it does sound <laughs> like a really thrilling trip, of, you know, all the way. How did you find Africa these years later after your initial visit and the ties you built? Well, for one thing, the drought has been devastating to the people and to the wildlife uh, of Africa. In Amboseli, the uh, first uh, park we visited, which is uh, on the Tanzanian border with Mount Kilimanjaro gorgeously in the background, uh, Amboseli has had a drought for a couple of years now, and uh, hundreds, thousands of animals have died. There are animal carcasses around. Luckily, there's also an area that is fed by underground springs, and we went there and saw there are great herds of animals still, great herds, but the drought has been devastating. I just heard from one of my friends uh, in Nairobi, and she says there have been rains, uh, thank God, but uh, for the moment they stopped. So we need rain in Africa. Mm. What I found is that while wildlife populations all over the world are in fact declining, what's happening in many places we went in Kenya is the combination of smart management at local communities getting involved. They're turning the tide on this a little bit. They are understanding that um, getting the poachers is a first priority, that maintaining the wildlife is not only good for the economy, but it's critical for the planet. So smart management is making a difference. For example, um, at Lewa, we saw many, many, I mean, like hundreds of rhinoceros. And rhinoceros have been on the endangered list for some time. So they're coming back, which is is very exciting. Um, And again, it's smart management, and that's what's happening. Did you see a lot of tourists? Were there Americans traveling? Oh. We saw very few tourists. We were there in January, so we missed the school holidays both in this country and uh, in Europe and Asia. And we we felt very fortunate that we were um, we were we were pretty um, not alone, but but it wasn't crowded. Right. My understanding is that over Christmas the numbers were way up, which is very exciting. 
uh, and they surely will be this summer because a lot of the people I've spoken to are already booked for the summer. So people are going back, which is wonderful. And when we were in Kenya, at least, uh, it was it was safe. It was a great place to be. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. It's really important to go with an experienced group, right? I mean, you can't just go oh, yeah. on your own. Well, absolutely. You need a you need an outfitter, um, and and there are all sorts of them. Uh, as I say, we use big wild safaris, and they were just great. But there are outfitters for every budget, and you need help figuring out where to go. You also need to listen. To the, what, uh, look up the State Department rules on travel. You need to understand the health rules. We, um, uh, we both, uh, Sammy and I both took malaria precautions. We took pills against malaria, even though we were in areas that said, well, they thought they were okay. We didn't want to leave it to chance. Right. We got all of our shots. Uh, we were, we followed the rules. And, and you felt well, right? Important. You I felt well. Pardon? You felt well, no problems. No problems at all, and the food was terrific. Um, there, there is a the 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 people who run these camps and lodges, um, the guides. This is their profession. Um, it's important to them that everything go well, and and we were very well taken care of. As is everyone I know that's ever been on a trip like this. Mm. Well, it sounds <laughs> great. And they, you know, the one of the other great. Um, things about it is what it did to Sammy and me. The idea of traveling with any family members that that you either like or would like to like is a great idea. But um, somehow that that grand, grand connection is very special. You kind of miss all the angst of of the parents parents, in the middle. Um, And I will tell you, Joan, you'll love this. Uh, At least three of my friends who have seen the article have written to me and asked if they could be my grandchild. That, that's right. Don't think. The first thing I thought is, I've got to convince Lynn, forget the grandkid, to lead a group and take us. <laughs> no, that- well, so I told Sammy, my granddaughter, that people had said they wanted to be my grandchild. Her response, the position is taken. <laughs> it's great. Well, thank you for a wonderful piece and for sharing your adventure. It really was fun to read, and it made all of us, I'm sure, want to go. So congratulations. Thanks to you, Joan, and thanks to the New York Times for uh, making it so prominent. Very exciting to have it in the paper. Well, it's a great time. All right, and where are you swimming next? (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. What month are we? It's almost April, which means about another month I'll start swimming out on the end of Long Island again, just like you. Right. Okay. Well, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Joan. Bye, Lynn. Lynn Scher, who's a very well-known journalist and educator. Lynn has a lot of fascinating things that she does, but read this piece because it's really great. It's going to make you want to go. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious.
Precious Metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 